0: There we go. All right. Hey, I want to welcome you today and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. Great to see you this morning. I'm pretty pumped as we began a a brand new series today on Isaiah that we're calling Isaiah, the God we can trust. Uh, Before we dive into Isaiah, I did put out a question on the uh, social medias out there. And it was this question here, if you could only have one book of the Bible to read for the rest of your life. Which book of the Bible would it be and why? That's a tough question, isn't it? Hard to pick just one, but uh, do you have an answer? Is there a, a book of the Bible that you would pick? If you could only have one book to read the rest of your life, that's it. That's all you get. Which book of the Bible would you pick? Oh, man, that's a tough call. Got a lot of great answers out on uh, social media. Got some uh, not great answers. Somebody said Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. So if, uh, if, you, if you don't know, Ecclesiastes starts out meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. So if you want to be depressed for the rest of your life, you know, pick Ecclesiastes. I do love Ecclesiastes. It's a great book. Uh, probably not the one book that I would choose to read the rest of my life. Um, but, but how about you? Is there a book? Any, any, any thoughts out there? What, maybe shout it out. A lot of, yeah. Anybody else? Revelation. Yeah. A lot of good ones. So, yeah. So we took, uh, I, I went ahead and, and, and tallied the votes as they came in on social media. And, um, and after adding them up, uh, there really were three clear books right at the top. Why don't we put them up on the screen? Romans, John... And the Psalms. Anybody have Romans? Anybody thinking Romans? Yep, I heard some Romans. Uh, Romans is, of course, Paul's great explanation of the gospel and salvation history and what Jesus has done. Uh, John, did anybody have the gospel of John? How about just a gospel? Like somebody would say, I would would want a gospel. The gospels, of course, are the, the stories of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And a lot of people picked a gospel. John was by far the number one that people picked, but a lot of other people said Matthew or, or some other gospel. Uh, anybody, Psalms? Anybody, if, if you could have one book, you'd pick the Psalms. Yeah, that's a great one. That's the, the worship book of the Old Testament. And if you're here today and you want to get started reading the Bible, guys, we're helping you out here. These are, these are three of the most amazing and life-changing books that you could possibly Read well today. Of course, we're starting a book, uh, a series on the Book of Isaiah, and um, you know this caught me by surprise. I don't think Isaiah is ever at the top of our list. If we could only have one book to read the rest of our life, I, honestly, I never thought Isaiah. But as I've been studying this book over the last year, the last two years, this book really has blown my mind, and if there was one book of the Bible that I could read the rest of my life, I think Isaiah would be one of those books. And I just want you to think about this today because I know Isaiah is not maybe the top of our list, but think about this. Isaiah is actually like a mini Bible. Isaiah is the Bible in miniature. How many chapters do you have in Isaiah? 66. How many books are there in the Bible? 66, 66? yes, good. That's that's allowed. That's allowed. Um, Isaiah divides into two big sections of 39 chapters, chapters 1 through 39, and 27 chapters, chapters 40 through 66. Isn't it amazing? The Bible divides exactly the same way into 39 chapters of the Old Testament, 29 chapters of the New Testament. It gets even more amazing. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah perfectly... Summarizes the message of the Old Testament of sin and judgment. The next 39 chapters of Isaiah perfectly summarize the message of the New Testament. A Bible teacher, David Pawson, highlighted this. He said, "Um, Isaiah chapter 40, this is the New Testament part of Isaiah, begins with a voice crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist. And then it goes on to talk about this servant of the Lord who's going to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. He will be a suffering servant who will will bear the punishment for our sins. He will be risen and exalted. And then Isaiah goes to this um, go into all of the nations and it finally ends with God saying, um, I'm making everything new. I create a new heavens and a new earth, there is a glorious finish in the book of Isaiah, chapters 65 and 66, just like Revelation with the new heavens and the new earth. So really the whole storyline of the Bible is found in the book of Isaiah. You might say it's like a mini Romans in that way. Um, There's no other prophet that's more quoted in the New Testament than Isaiah. So if you take your Old Testament... You take your New Testament and you shrink it down to one book. You have the book of Isaiah. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, that's pretty crazy. But it's even cooler than that. Um, not only is Isaiah like a mini Bible or a Bible in miniature, Isaiah has often been called the fifth gospel. A lot of you, when when uh, I asked if you would, if there was one book from the Bible that you would want to take with you and read the rest of your life, a lot of you said I I, I would take a gospel. I'd want to take a book that talks about Jesus, who he is, and what he did. Well, 700 years before Jesus came, guess who Isaiah was talking about? He was talking about Jesus. In fact, Isaiah talks so much about Jesus that people have called Isaiah's book a fifth gospel. Isn't that amazing? We always thought there were four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, there's a fifth in the Old Testament called the book of Isaiah. Just think about it. Some of these, these famous verses. Isaiah seven fourteen, A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. His name will be called Emmanuel. So, so what do we learn about Jesus? He's going to be born as a human, as a child. Then in Isaiah 9, 6. To us a child is born and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. El Gabor. And so here, 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah is saying, Jesus is going to come. He's going to be fully human. He's going to be fully God. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 53, 5, Jesus' sacrifice. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news. And there's so many more verses. In fact, Isaiah talked so much about Jesus that John in his gospel, check this out. This is what he said. He said, Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. So as we study the book of Isaiah, we're going to learn a lot about Jesus together. I'm pretty excited about that. It's why people call it the fifth gospel. Last reason I'm, I'm pretty pumped about Isaiah is that some of our most liked verses come from Isaiah. Maybe you'll know some of these. Um, and there are so many. Isaiah 40:31: Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like... Eagles, yeah, yeah. Um, you heard that one. How about this one? Uh, great verse on how God keeps us in peace. You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah six three. How about Isaiah's vision? The year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. Holy, holy, holy. Wow. Um, in our family, we've given both of our kids Special verses from the Bible, and Lydia's special verse comes right from Isaiah chapter 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And so, just like the Psalms has some of those amazing verses that we treasure, you find so many of those in the book of Isaiah. It's an incredible book. I'm pretty pretty excited about this series. Um, but how do you study a book that's 66 chapters long? I know you're already thinking, is this a 66 week series? It could be, it could be. Um, but uh, let me just, let's talk about our series of Isaiah, the God you can trust. Uh, we have eight weeks this fall to chap- study chapters 1 through 39. Eight weeks. So, very clear, we're not going to get to every chapter, we're not going to look at every detail. But I promise you will get the highlights, you will get the themes, um, you will understand Isaiah. Um, And then uh, we're going to break for Advent. We have a very special Advent this year. In fact, our kids are already working on some of the songs and and skits that they're doing, so we're excited for that. And then in January and February next year, we have a couple of special series for you. And then uh, in March, in the spring, we're going to have 13 weeks to cover Isaiah 40 through 66. So it's going to be a great series. We're going to have a lot of fun. It won't be 66 weeks, but it will be really, really good. And uh, I just believe that God has a lot for you in this series. He wants to speak to you. And uh, that starts today. It starts right now. So if you have your Bible, would you open it up to Isaiah chapter 1? We're in Isaiah chapter 1, Bible Bible app. And we're going to read verses 1 through 20. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. And then we'll dive into our message today, which is uh, entitled, The Problem is Sin. The problem is sin. So let's read this together. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem, that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, O Earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its ma- master, the donkey, its owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not clenched or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate. Your city is burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left, like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors... We would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, Who's asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feasts, and your appointed festivals. I hate with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though their red is crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this morning. What a, what a powerful, powerful message that you sent through your prophet Isaiah. And uh, it stirs us to our core. It wakes us up to realities going on in our world and even down to the depths of our own heart. So I pray today by your Holy Spirit um, that you would come and speak to us and give us ears to listen. Lord, we need you. We need you to take the crimson stain and to make it whiter than snow. So uh, fix our eyes on you this morning help us, God, to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm excited to dive in. That was, that was some strong stuff, right? Prophet for you. So here's our first encouragement in this series on Isaiah. And, uh, and we get that in this passage. The first encouragement is to listen to God. Listen to God. Isaiah 1, verses 1 and 2. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah... Son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. Right off the bat, Isaiah is telling us that God has spoken. Isaiah is not just bringing some some of his own thoughts and ideas. This is not a message that comes from Isaiah. A prophet is someone who received a supernatural revelation from God. They were called to hear from God and deliver his message. Uh, Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 20-21, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But the prophets, though human, spoke from God as, though they were, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah is speaking from God. He's saying, speak. He says, God is speaking. Will we listen? So who is this prophet Isaiah? Uh, Isaiah was a prophet in the city of Jerusalem to the southern kingdom of Judah. Go ahead and put the map up on the screen. If you'll remember from your history class, during the Civil War, America was divided with uh, the North and the South, and actually the same thing happened in Israel's history. Right after Solomon's reign, the nation of Israel divided into a northern kingdom and into a southern kingdom. Uh, The northern kingdom, which was made up of 10 of the 12 tribes, uh, they took the name Israel So in this time, when you're talking about Israel, you're talking about the northern kingdom. There were two other tribes, and uh, they took the name of the largest tribe, the tribe of Judah. That's the southern kingdom. So you have Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Isaiah is a prophet. He's in Jerusalem, and he's a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah tells us that his ministry took place during the reign of four kings, Uzziah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Uh, This is a period of about 60 years, from 740 B.C. to 680 B.C. And uh, what what an amazing 60 years that was. You can imagine Isaiah, his prophetic ministry in the city of Jerusalem uh, to these four kings. uh, 60 years, uh, crazy 60 years. It was a a season of, of, of crisis and national emergency. The nation was in decline. You have another nation, Assyria, who's right on their doorstep, this major uh, national threat. And so Isaiah is somebody who is preaching during a critical season in Isaiah's history. The prosperity of Uzziah's reign is now rapidly in decline. And you have this uh, nation, Assyria, in the north, this uh, fearsome nation. It's like a, a shadow looming over the horizon. And in days of trouble, days of confusion, and, and days where things are really, uh, you know, not good, Isaiah encourages us to listen to God. What great encouragement for us today. In a season where, where things seem to be looking darker and darker, and people are on edge, I think Isaiah would encourage us today Let's listen to God, right? Speak, you heavens, or hear me, you heavens. Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. And the question in Isaiah's day is the same question that's forced upon us in our day, and it is the question, who will we trust? Where are we going to put our trust? The name Isaiah means God is our salvation. Our kids this semester are beginning to memorize verses, and I just encourage you parents to to be a part of that and to memorize these verses along with your kids and help them. Uh, But I love, you know, Star and our CMT team this semester. Like, we want to hide scripture in our heart. And one of the verses they're going to memorize could be the theme verse of Isaiah. Check this out. Isaiah 12.2. Great verse to memorize. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. In days of of trouble, we don't have to be afraid. We can trust God. God is our salvation. So I want to invite you today to listen to God. What God does here in Isaiah is, is he begins to expose the problem. What is the problem? Look at what's going on in the world today. What is the problem? There's a great saying that says, A problem well defined is half solved. And, uh, and you look at today, you look at all the problems. What is, what is the problem? And I would, just, I would just argue that our problem's not just political division, it's not just racism or who's been vaccinated and who's not been vaccinated. God says in Isaiah chapter 1, the problem is sin. The problem in Isaiah's day is the same problem that we're facing today. The problem hasn't changed. The problem is sin. It's sin. Listen to Isaiah, verse 2. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know my people do not understand woe to the sinful nation people whose guilt is great a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption they have forsaken the lord they have spurned the holy one of israel and turned their backs on him you hear isaiah piling up the words for sin sinful guilty evil corrupt and so it's a world full of sin, the, the Hebrew word for sin is hata. It means to miss the mark. You think about somebody uh, shooting an arrow at a target and they miss the target. I always think of a, when I was a, a kid and I'd I'd play basketball and somebody would shoot the ball and it would not just miss the basket; it would miss the whole backboard and everybody'd yell, "Air ball!" Like that's what God's saying, hata. God's saying we have missed. The target. We have forsaken God. That's not just a little deal. That's a a big, big deal. Some of you here today, and and, and I, I think this in my mind, we all think this. We think, you know what, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. I'm not a killer. I just, I'm a good person. I just live my life independently of Jesus. And may I submit to you, that's the greatest wrong of all. We have, to hear how relational sin is, we have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned our backs on Him. I have done that, we've all done that. There is no greater sin than to turn our back on the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. And that's what sin does. Sin separates us from a God who loves us. And not only that, sin affects every area of our life. This is, uh, might be called the, the doctrine of total depravity or the radical depravity uh, that's caused by sin. Sin affects every area of our life. Verse five, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. I think our problem with sin and my problem with sin is that it's rooted in the very core of my being. He says our whole heart is afflicted. Jeremiah, he'll he'll say um, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick sin goes down to the core of our being not just our heart but but even says he mentions our mind you know even the head is injured our thoughts how we think about the world the way we speak how we treat others the ambitions we pursue there is no area of our life untouched by sin this is why the apostle paul says i know nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh and we need he says Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. We need to apply the healing power of the gospel to the root of sin and the wound of sin. But what happens if we don't? What if we don't apply the healing power of the gospel to our lives? We see three consequences in this passage. Number one, impending judgment. Isaiah 1, 7 through 9 your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, unless God is gracious, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. Isaiah is describing a judgment scene here with fire and fields stripped and being alone. A judgment is coming, Isaiah says. And unless and apart from the grace of God, we'll all be like Sodom, we'll all be like Gomorrah. One of the consequences of sin is an impending judgment. Not only that, Isaiah mentions insincere worship. That's Isaiah 11, or excuse me, Isaiah 1, 11 through 14. Insincere worship. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my court's? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them in. Wow, aren't you glad that wasn't our call to worship this morning? Hey, welcome to Hope Community Church. Really glad you're here. I mean, people are coming to worship, right? And it looks amazing. They're bringing their sacrifices, their offerings, and their prayers, and yet God says, I hate it with all of my being. Wow. Jesus mentions to the Pharisees, he says, you "You worship God with your lips, but your heart is far from me. What is it that God, God can't stand? He can't. Stand a double life of sin and worship. It's easy. Come here on Sunday, worship team, Max. Blessed be the name. Like, we can do that. But who are we on Monday? If we're somebody different on Monday than we are on Sunday, could be that we haven't applied the healing of the gospel to the wound of sin. It's one of the consequences of sin. Impending judgment. Insincere worship. Last one. Injustice in the city. Injustice in the city. This is Isaiah 1, 16 to 17. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Why would Isaiah go from talking about spiritual issues to social issues? Maybe it's because a lot of our social issues are spiritual issues. I think sometimes we try to compartmentalize those two things, but God doesn't compartmentalize it. He wants to change our heart. He wants to give us a new heart through the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a heart that seeks justice, defends the oppressed, and pleads the cause of the widow. Why don't we do that? Because Isaiah says, the problem is sin. The problem is sin. Well, if the problem is sin, Guys, the solution is Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And I need Jesus every single day. This is where Isaiah goes next to this beautiful, beautiful line. Isaiah 1:18. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Wow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you've never seen scarlet wool before... Take a look at this picture. I I searched Google high and low for a picture of wool that has been dyed scarlet. This wool has just been dyed scarlet red. It's hanging out to dry. Um, I mean, it would be almost impossible to get that wool white again. Uh, In in the ancient world, scarlet dye was the strongest of all dyes. That, That wool is not going back to white again. When Angie and I were in seminary, the town used to flush the pipes. And anytime they'd flush the pipes, all the water in our apartment complex would turn rusty red. And uh, one time, uh, we didn't know that they had flushed the pipes. And Angie took a load of clothes, and she put them in the washing machine. And when we took those clothes out of the washer, all of our clothes had turned red. Rusty red. No matter how hard we tried. No matter how much we scrubbed. We could not get the red stain out of our clothes. And and God's saying it's like that with our own sin. Sin has permeated every aspect of our life. We can try and we can scrub and scrub and scrub, but there is no way, humanly speaking, that we can take that crimson stain out of our heart and out of our life. We need help. And so God says, come to me. And I'll take your sin that is that color, that crimson red, and I'll make it whiter than snow. Isn't that a beautiful promise? What a great promise we have. How's God gonna do that? Isaiah doesn't tell us, not here, not yet. Oh, he will. He's gonna tell us about someone who's gonna come. He's gonna tell us the good news of Jesus Christ, Isaiah 53. Someone's gonna come. Suffering servant. He's going to bear our iniquity. The punishment to bring us a peace with God is going to be on him. And he's going to take that crimson stain and through the blood of Jesus Christ he's going to wash us and cleanse us and make us whiter than snow. Our sin has separated us from God but Jesus comes. He washes us clean. He forgives us and gives us A brand new relationship with God. It's something the Bible calls eternal life. Eternal life. It means we get to be clean. We get to have a new relationship with God. This is the great promise of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The problem is sin, the solution is Jesus. Though our sins are like scarlet, by trusting in Jesus Christ, God takes them away, He makes them whiter than snow. As far as the east is from the west, so far, he will separate our sins from us. And so today, as we come to the table, come to communion, we remember Jesus. Remember me. We remember what Jesus has done for us. There was a great uh, Christian a long, ago, long time ago named John Newton. And John Newton said, I remember two things. He says, I remember that I'm a great sinner and that Jesus is a great Savior. And that's what we remember today as we come to the table, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. He is a great Savior indeed. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there's never been a better moment than right now. The Bible says, um, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Whoever calls, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter how dark your life has been. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be forgiven, will be sent. The old will be gone. The new will come. He will take the scarlet stain and wash it as white as snow. And so today might be the day to say, you know what, I am going to trust Jesus Christ, I will surrender my life to Him. Jesus, come into my life and cleanse me and wash me and connect me to a new relationship with God. He wants to do that. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we're not immune to sin. And maybe today you've come and there is a sin. There's something you've done, something you have failed to do. He tells us if we confess our sin, we are forgiven. And so as we come to the table today, this is a great time to confess our sin and to experience anew the forgiving grace of a God who loves us with an everlasting love. Come to me today, Jesus says, though your sins are scarlet, I will make them white as snow. So I invite you today as we uh, prepare our hearts and begin to prepare those elements Come find your freedom today in the broken body of Jesus and the blood that was shed on the cross for our sin.